I, I'm sorry to say, I mean, we've come a very long way. And I believe that um, a woman would be much more angry um, these days than they would have been in the past about not having the power. Mm -hmm. Um, But that being said, I still feel that by and large, a woman would tolerate the power imbalance more than a man would. This week, we are going to share the one common trait that the happiest couples have in common. What's interesting about this trait isn't so much that it exists, but that the couples believe it exists. Dr. Karen Sherman joins us to dive in. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the original, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Good to be with you. It's great to hear your voice. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is also the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, and the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this and more information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Um, Karen, you were lovely enough this week to send me an article about the one common trait that the happiest couple have in common. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're going to talk about it. And um, a little background researchers from Martin Luther University, Holly Wittenberg, MLU, and the University of Bamberg spoke with 181 straight couples who had been together for an average of eight years and were living together for at least one month. So I just want to emphasize that these are not necessarily married couples, but they are very well longstanding committed and committed relationships. The participants, who ages ranged from 18 to 71, responded to a survey of questions about a variety of aspects of their relationship, including trust, sexual satisfaction, feelings of oppression and constraint, and commitment and willingness to invest in the relationship. The researchers were looking to find out how actual and perceived power influenced each of these aspects of the relationship. So, for this research, they define power as being able to influence people and successfully resist the attempts of others to influence you. So, my first question for you is, why is this uh, power, the ability to influence or not be influenced, so important? Well, I think that what it really indicates is that each person feels that they matter, that they are respected, that they have input into the relationship. Um, I thought this was a very interesting study because generally the finding has been that the most important factor for a satisfying relationship is respect for one another. And I think that this 
factors into if you feel respected by, excuse me, by your partner. So I think, you know, that's why it's important. So it's interesting respect. And I'm, I'm glad you hit that word. When I read this, I, I was like, is power and respect are those, um, synonyms almost in this regard, because in order to influence somebody's behavior, uh, it almost feels like that respect needs to be there because otherwise, why would you listen to them? Right. Correct. Correct. So, um, so I won't, (laughs) I won't bury the lead. Uh, the happiest couples. So the one trait, the happiest couples were those in which both partners reported a high sense of personal power. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it wasn't the one person, uh, does this surprise you or does this seem right that there would be this parity or equality within the happy relationships? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. And, um, you know, we'll get into it a little bit more about the different kinds of power, excuse me. But the point is that if they each feel that they have this power, this sense of personal power, then again, they're going to feel like they're respected. They're going to feel that their input into the relationship has meaning. And um, there isn't a sense, there is not a sense of, oh, I'm being controlled, uh, or my partner is the one who's running the show. If they each feel it, then, you know, everybody has a sense of equality in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I was thinking about um, looking at all this stuff, and I thought it was interesting, is that it was being able to influence people successfully, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. necessarily that it they did frequently influence the other person or that one person didn't exert their power more often. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, it's just the fact that it was on the table seemed to be what was most important. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it's not really about the balance of power in the relationship, which is what I was just alluding to, but right. the fact that both feel empowered. Right. So can, can we give some examples of what this looks like practically? And in practice? Yes. So um, let's say the wife says, you know, I really want to go on a trip. And um, here's where I was thinking about going. And then the husband responds or the partner responds and he says, um, okay, uh, I'm willing to take some time off as well. But I think I'd like to go to a different place. And now there's a discussion about it. Uh, It's not that one person is coming in and saying, um, we need to go on a vacation, and so this is when we're going, and this is where we're going. Um, There's a sense that each one of them has input into it. On the other hand, and we'll talk about it a little later, It can really be that there are some areas that one partner is more influential and different areas where the other partner feels that they have an influence. Um, But again, I think the overarching uh, theme or point that they're trying to make is that it's not one person who's in control and always saying, do this, do that, do the other thing. Each of them feel that they have input into the relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, this also allows and enables each individual to play to their strengths. And exactly. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. And so when um, 
and going back to that respect thing, when you respect your spouse's opinion and they have a strength that you don't have, or maybe it's not even a strength, maybe it's just an interest, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm sure I could pick a vacation spot perfectly fine. Um, but it's not something that I enjoy particularly, mm-hmm. you know, planning mm-hmm. a vacation. Jess, my wife loves it, loves to mm-hmm. travel, loves to like do the research on where to go and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, the, where we eat has become more of my responsibility once we arrive at a place, mm-hmm. picking, mm-hmm. picking the country or the city or whatever, like that has fallen to her purview. Right. Um, now if I pick a place and she's not happy with it. Uh, you know, she, she has that ability to say like, no, I'm not in the mood for that type of food or that place doesn't look good or whatever. And that's where the balance, uh, and respect comes into play. Mm -hmm. Um, this also gets into something that we've talked about in the past that I wanted to just kind of like reemphasize, which is relationships. Uh, we talk about relationships being 50, 50, but Mm -hmm. we know that 50, 50 is not a thing. It's, it's, and the, the, wording or the phrasing or the, the way to think about it that I've really clung on to that I really like and enjoy is relationships. The best relationships are 100 and 100. You mm-hmm. each put in your whole self into them. Yes. And yes. where the responsibilities and the power di- and the, and the power dynamic and all that, the power balance and all that stuff falls, it doesn't have to be 50-50 as long as you're each putting in 100. And so, yes, as- you know, I had a supervisor when I first started working who used to say about couples that each person was a hundred percent responsible for their 50% of the relationship. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Right. Yep. I love that. Um, now, the other thing I thought you were going to go to that we have discussed in the past is that. It's not really equality that's important in the relationship. Right. It's a sense of reciprocity, feeling that each person is is giving and each person is getting. Um, because basically the formula for a good relationship is you stay in it if the rewards overshadow the cost, you know, things that are bad. But if we get back to this... Um, again, it's a matter of feeling that you have, I, I know that I'm repeating myself, but that you have some say in the relationship. It's not all being controlled by the other person. Right. And as you said, and I think it's a good point, um, about if each of you have certain strengths, then why wouldn't you play into that strength? And why wouldn't you allow your partner to run with whatever their strength is? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, but again, both of them are feeling it. Okay. Yeah. I, I would just, I wanted to add on the reciprocity thing and mm-hmm. the, both giving to the relationship. What's interesting is if you ask my wife, Jessica, she will without hesitation tell you that she, I am the giver. She is the receiver in the relationship. Mm. Um, Lucky and, woman. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about it, and this gets back to what the directly to the topic today is if I ever ask for something, if I want her mm-hmm. to give me something, mm-hmm. she, she almost always, without hesitation, uh, responds and reciprocates because mm-hmm. she knows it's not the normal thing for me. So if I do say something like that, um, she knows I mean it. And there goes that respect and that me and that ability of me feeling like I do have power in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. though there's this like imbalance of who's giving and who's taking on a daily basis, 
I, I know that I also have that power if I choose to flex it. Um, mm-hmm. if I want something or something's important to me. So, okay. So you're going to what they were saying, perceived power. Exactly. But it's not just perceived. It's, it's actuality. It is there mm-hmm. because I've used it. Um, mm-hmm. it's just that it's not, I think, I, I think there's this, um, misnomer that a relationship every day you wake up and there's a even divide down the middle of like who does, does what and who's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. giving and who's receiving. And that's just not, that's not life. That's not how it ever works. Correct. And, Correct. and, so, and if you hold a scorecard, you're in big trouble. Right. Right. And so I was just trying to highlight that as long as you both recognize, uh, that you have the power and it's not just perceived, but we are talking about the perceived power, but if it is there, then it doesn't matter what the scorecard reads. If you, if you feel like you're being heard and your needs for you are being taken care of. Yes. So, yes. Um, okay. So if there is a power imbalance, something we've just been talking about, do you think it matters uh, which one holds that? Now, remember, this was done with straight couples. So do you think it matters if it was a man or a woman? Well, I, I'm sorry to say, I mean, we've come a very long way. And I believe that um, a woman would be much more angry um, these days than they would have been in the past about not having the power. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said... I still feel that, by and large, a woman would tolerate the power imbalance more than a man would. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think that um, they're willing to accept. Uh, I wouldn't say being totally controlled and that they had no say in anything, but I, I think a woman can adapt and adjust more to an imbalance than a man could. Now that's just, I have nothing to prove that. That's just my feeling about it. And you're, and you, and this feeling comes about, uh, from this thing we call history. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. Okay. Uh, Um, do you think the type of power matters? You, you mentioned this at the top. So Mm -hmm. the researchers mentioned positional power, uh, which it, which basically that means the person who has the big job or take brings in the big paycheck. That's mm-hmm. their position. Um, mm-hmm. There are other powers that we know of, and this is like plays a lot into politics. For example, there's such a thing as soft power and hard power, um, mm-hmm. where like hard power is like forcing somebody to do something uh, against mm-hmm. their will. For example, that's power. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Soft power being able to like influence them, like we've been talking right. about this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, a different way of saying this is, do you think how each partner wields their power matters as much, uh, or just that they feel empowered to do so? Mm. I do think that feeling empowered probably is very significant in how the partner feels, um, you know, as I, as I started to say, and maybe I was getting ahead of myself when I said to you, oh, so it's your perceived power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that whether you actually exert it or not is going to be less significant than if you feel it. Now, there's been studies, as, as I'm thinking about this, where they have actually 
looked at people individually and said, you know, um, are they really, um, do they feel confident? And then they looked at a couple of criteria which would decide if they had a reason to feel confident in certain mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And what they found was that it was your perception that mattered more than uh, what the reality was. Can I, so, can I piggyback yeah, yeah. that really quick? Sure. There was another one that we've talked about in the past where it was if you ask couples if they're going in the right direction, whether or not they were actually going in the right direction, mm-hmm. if they both perceived right. the direction to be the right one, uh, right. they were happy. It didn't matter if they were actually on the right path. Yes, I, I remember that we had a discussion about that as well. Uh, so I think that um, it is more our perception now, let's go for a moment to this concept of big job or big paycheck. Mm-hmm. In the work that I've done with couples, when the woman has the bigger job or the bigger paycheck, it does create a little bit of friction within the relationship. And again, you know, maybe um, not so much with the younger couples. Um, this would be more, you know, a traditional kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there is still the perception that the man should be the breadwinner. Mm -hmm. And when the woman is the one who's really bringing in so much more money, um, we got to watch out for the guy's ego. Mm -hmm. So um, I I just wanted to throw that in as well. Yeah. I think that's, I I think that's, I think that's right on. Um, And, uh, you know, of course, just, I just want to throw it out there. Uh, It should be obvious after 600 plus episodes that we're painting with very broad brushes here. And of Mm -hmm. course, individual circumstances will vary. There can be older couples who have zero issues with a power imbalance. If it's a woman with the positional power, et cetera, et cetera. But, and again, these are broad generalities. And, um, I think part of that too is because, um, again, getting back to this history word, um, <laughs> women haven't been given those positions of power, mm-hmm. even though they've earned them and they haven't been given the big paycheck, even though they've earned them. So there have been hurdles that have needed to be crossed and we still have more to go. Yes. Uh, but you know, we're getting there. And I think that's where some of this comfort level comes from, uh, at the younger generation is I think to give credit to the older generation, like they have helped pave the path path for the mm-hmm. younger generation to feel as comfortable as they do. And so, uh, you know, I want to throw some kudos that way. So, um, was there anything else that you wanted to add to this before we wrap up this, uh, the very tight episode? <laughs> no, I, I think we've, we've covered it pretty much. Okay. Well, we will, we will wrap this one up then. We crack, crank this one out in under 20 minutes. I'm super impressed with us. Um, <laughs> so, uh, thank you all for listening. Before you go, I do want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of mindfulness and the art of choice, transform your life. She is the co-author of marriage magic, Find it, keep it, and make it last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also uh, find all this information on our website, hitchedmag.com. As I mentioned, we have over 
600 podcast episodes. We were doing this before it was like super cool to do this. Uh, and they are all available on our website. Uh, of course, you can find uh, them in the podcast players of your choice. And if you like what you're listening to, it would be greatly appreciated if you left a rating or even better is a review because that really drives home the point. Uh, and until next time, we're going to wrap it up. Until next time, take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.